Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Okay, we're going to talk about John G. Lake. That's what he looks like. That's what he looked like. <laughs> looked like. So that's uh, who, we're, who we're talking about tonight. Jan really helped me a lot. She's uh, encouraged me. She said, Terry, you're the only one that knows anything about John G. Lake. <laughs> no, nobody knows as much as you do about John G. Lake. Yeah. So it really has helped me a lot. Uh, so I'm going to try to impart to you some of the things that, uh, that he went through in his life. He was 65 when he died. Pastor Tom asked me that today. And uh, he was an awesome guy, but he had, he had testing. Testings. Testings. <laughs> he was tested throughout his life, and I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit more. Now, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to be good tonight. <laughs> this, this is a smartphone. Uh, that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> All right, born on March 18th, that's three days after mine, in 1870 at St. Mary's, Ontario, to James Lake and Elizabeth Graham. Now, his, his mom and dad were awesome people, but they weren't Christians, and they weren't sick. They had, I'm going to say a lot of things, and I'm hoping it'll be sync, sync, sync with synchronized. They had 16 kids. Eight of them died. That's, uh, that was amazing to hear. He, he, so he was very familiar with uh, people dying. I, I want to read a little bit about it. He moved to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan as a young boy. And I'll show you where that's at in one of my maps. He was saved by the, he was saved by the, the guys with beat the drum, the red, what do you call those? Salvation Armies, he got saved at 16 years old from the Salvation Army. Uh, eight kids died of a disease before John was, was, before he grew up. For 32 years, at least one member of the family was an invalid. So he was very familiar with, with that. During that period, our home was never out of the shadow of sickness. His boy, boyhood was filled with memories of funerals, hospitals, grief-stricken parents trying to forget the sorrows to assist the living members of the family. So that's what he was. That's what he was. That's what he grew up at. All right. Now he studies. This is where he studied <laughs> at Garrett Bible Institute. That was a small. That, that he, he was there for four years. But he was an ordained Methodist minister at the age of 21. They gave him a, a church, but he, refi he refused it. <laughs> he uh, went to Lake Hart, which is, uh, he went to Harvey, Illinois, which is right, it's a suburb of uh, Chicago. It's south of Chicago. Does anybody here from that area know, knows that area? Yeah, you're from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody but Jan. <laughs> yeah, Sault Ste. Marie is, is uh, they, he went there for health reasons because he thought his wife was going to 
going to die unless he moved her. <laughs> okay. So this is what... Uh, yeah, he was... You know, do not rely on Wikipedia for truth, <laughs> especially Christian truth, because they are not a good source for Christian truth. Uh, in fact, they will say everything that everything that uh, that is true is false, according to them. And uh, it really, I, I, list, I looked up some of what they said, and it was all negative. And I, I remember Bill Johnson saying that uh, people criticized him a lot on on internets. And uh, so anybody that's doing anything for God will have will have critical things said about them. And that's that's the same thing with John G. Lake. All right, Sault Ste. Marie is, is right there. You can see it. Uh, that's where it's at. It's right on the border of uh, Canada and, and Michigan. That's Upper Michigan, that's called. What do they call it? UP? UP, Upper Michigan. Upper, upper Peninsula. So there's a Lake Michigan's on the left and then Lake Erie's on the right, right? And right there between the two, there's a bridge that goes across that water and... Uh, Jan's dad worked on the bridge, <laughs> so he, he helped build it back in the old days. Okay, now this is the way he lived. I never touched whiskey, never used tobacco, never committed an unholy act in the moral sense, but that proud heart of mine had to struggle like a man drowning until I was ready to say, Lord, you save me. In other words, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't. What, what's the Lord going to save him from? <laughs> from himself, from his pride. And this is this is the thing that uh, that'll get to you the, the most. Is I'm proud of the way I was raised, and I'm proud of uh, that's pride, right? <laughs> so that's that was his biggest problem. Uh, he moved to Chicago, and he got married <laughs> on February fifth, eighteen ninety one. That's about. He was 21 when he got married. Is that right? 70, 80, 91. 21 when he got married. And he married a woman named Jenny Stevens of Newberry, Michigan in, in Millington, Illinois. They settled at Harvey and had a son, Alexander. And they met Alexander Dowie. Has anybody ever heard of Dowie? He was an awful, awesome healing evangelist who got as we will see, he got off track, and he was Elijah, he said. He said, I'm Elijah. And so and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. There's a little pictures of Chicago back in the old days, and that's the building that uh, Dowie. So Dowie, Dowie had a big part in uh, John G. Lake's life, and you'll see why. That's, that's him right there. And if you've read, how many of you have read God's Generals? Tom's, Pastor Tom's the only one that's done it. I encourage you all to read God's Generals because it'll talk about Dowie. And it'll, Dowie was put in jail many times for practicing medicine without a license. He was a great debater. He could prove to you that Jesus Christ exists. He was good at that, but he got off track. He got proud. <laughs> Lake's son Horace was born, and they moved to Salt Sault Ste. Marie. That's how you say that, Salt, not Salt, St. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie, hoping the climate would help his wife. Uh, she had some health issue. 
Blake starts the Sioux Times newspaper. So he was good at, uh, at, at, at Harvey, Illinois. He also started a newspaper. And then he also started a newspaper in Sioux Times. Uh, Jenny is, is led to the Lord by Dowie. His wife was, was saved under the tutelage, they call it, of Dowie. In 1898, Lake son Otto was born. He had seven kids total and with his wife, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny becomes comatose after the birth, but is healed by Dowie. So that he calls Dowie up and says, pray for my, daughter, my wife, and then she gets healed. So he had a tremendous anointing for healing. And uh, he might have had some issues, but he was... <laughs> He was anointed. Now, down at the bottom, it says, Jenny and John no longer believed in, mir- in, mir- in medicine or doctors. Now, John G. Lake had so many miracles happen in his life. And such, a, such uh, I mean, he anointing. And he was, actually, he was, um, he was familiar with, with, with heartache and sickness and and. and and when doctors didn't do what he thought they should do, so he, him and his wife says, ah, we don't need doctors. We'll just ask God to fix it. So that's the belief that he had. He believed that God would take care of it. And this is what him and his family, this is when they had five kids, I think. One, two, three, four, five. There's five here. They had seven total. So he's on the right, and his wife Jenny's on the left. And the kids are in the middle. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know every name now. Okay, they joined Dowie's church in 1898. The lakes are water baptized by Dowie in 1990. He was an ordained deacon by Dowie, and Lake baptizes people, including his son. So this has all, all happened um, with Dowie's help. So he was a great mentor. Uh, people have people that have been walking a long time as mentors and somebody that uh, is an example to, as what a Christian would be. And so Dowie turned out to be that. All right, this started happen- things started happening in, in their life. Jenny is accidentally shot and she's paralyzed. I guess her four-year-old son was playing with a pistol. Don't ask me why they had a pistol, but they did. And uh, shot her in the back. Lake contacts Dowie and working with Elder Bryant prays for Jenny's healing. And she is healed. <laughs> this is, you can't read this, but in, it just to show you it was in the paper, her healing. You can see the bigger letter, lettering there. And this is, uh, this is how it happened. That's the only reason I know that she was shot in her back by her son. It's amazing. That's just one thing that happened to her. All right. Do y'all know Charles Parham? Have you ever heard of him? Seymour. Y'all remember Seymour? He was a one-eyed black man. He, he, Azusa Street. He started Azusa Street Revival, and it was awesome. Lots of people were healed. Well, Parham trained Seymour. In fact, since he was a black man at that time, he had to sit in the hallway while, while Parham gave the talk. 
So Seymour would sit out in the hall while everybody else was in the seat, and he would listen to the, to the, uh, the Parham talk. So Parham, you know, Charles Parham, he was a, a really good man, and uh, he, was, he, he plays a big part in, uh, in uh, the Christian existence at that time. All right, in 1901, Dowick declares himself Elijah, the restorer, and claims he has the gift of the Spirit. <laughs> now, this guy who had a tremendous anointing, a tremendous uh, debater on the Christianity, it, he failed the test. Now, whether he's going to be in heaven or not, I don't, I'm not God, I don't know. Okay, daughter was born. Overseer for Dowie in South Africa concerned. All right, they, they, Dowie started messing with money. I think he got in trouble by spending money he didn't have. And uh, they, had a, they had a couple turnovers in the, in the, in the uh, leadership. Now, this one on the left, on the bottom, is William Seymour. On the right is John G. Lake. And the guy on the left, on the very back, is Hesmalach. Hez, I think that's how you say it. And F.F. Bosworth is, is one of those other two. I don't know which one he is. <laughs> so there's five people and four names. <laughs> you have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, the Azusa, Azusa Street. They all wanted to see what was going on. Azusa Street was, if you've never read about Azusa Street, it was a wonderful revival. Yeah, we went out to Azusa Street with the tent. That's right. <laughs> it's uh, the place that it, it was held in is gone. <laughs> and uh, when a wonderful revival happened, nobody would preach. They would just sit there and somebody would stand up and testify. It's like the Quakers. You know, that's, that's what happens in the Quakers. They sit there until somebody gets it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read you some of these things here. When you have... Had the vision that I have had, when you shed the tears that I have, this is Dowie speaking here. When you've suffered as I have suffered, when under God you have created a city of 10,000 people, established a body of Christians with an established identity of Christian character worldwide, numbering possibly 100,000. I'll give you some more. Dowie to Lake, this is, this is who said it. You will be competent to criticize if you develop constructive qualities equal to, to your critical capacity. You will be a bigger man than I am. At present, however, you're, you, are in, you are an operator, not a constructor, but you got it in you. So he said that to Lake. All right, what city in Illinois was started by Dowie? Come on, you guys. What do they call the temple in the Bible? Where, where is the temple at? All right, Mount Zion. Zion, Illinois was started by Dowie. Now, he had a good idea. He said, hey, let's get a bunch of Christians. Nobody can be in this city but Christians. We'll have Christian schools. Our kids will be raised with Christian environment. Now, that's really a good idea. But it's never been blessed by God. And Zion, Illinois, was not was not blessed by God. It's uh, huh? 
There's only one Zion. That's, that's Jerusalem. <laughs> anyway, Dowie uh, tried to start that. Lake, Lake, Lake's wife uh, becomes from, from, uh, friends with Parham and his wife. So Parham was, uh, again, he trained William Seymour, and uh, the wives got to know each other. Okay, this real estate office it was thought it was uh, by Lake. He also had a seat on, on the Chicago Board of Trade. So here was a man with lots of money, and I think I said he was a millionaire. That's not it. All right, he was a millionaire when he decided to quit working and start doing the stuff for God. Back in the, in the early 1900s, a million dollars was a lot of money. I don't know how much it would be worth today. Something like 30 million or something like that. It would be terribly. Uh, he, was, he was very good at what he did. He, he uh, sold insurance and he made a million dollars. So he told his boss, he said, hey, I need to go to Africa and, and be a missionary. His boss said, sure, we'll give you three months. And inwardly he says, hey, he's getting paid $50,000 a year. That was a lot of money at that time. Plus, he gets money, extra money from selling things. So he ended up, he ended up being a millionaire, but he never went back to selling again. <laughs> he started working for Jesus. That's a lot of money. Okay, in 1904 and 1905, the Welsh revival occurred, encouraging others to believe in revival. Now, what happened in Welsh revival? Okay, the uh, Welsh Revival was an awesome revival. Almost everybody got saved. The miners couldn't even talk to the horses because they would say cuss words to the horses. The horses were used to that. And then when they got saved, they quit cussing. So they had to retrain the horses. So they didn't know what to do. Okay, the guy named, I can't even pronounce that, Bolivia. He took control over Zion from Dowie. So they, they criticized Dowie enough, so he stepped down. Somebody else went and took over the mayor of, Z of uh, Zion, Illinois. And uh, in 1906, the Azusa Street Revival occurs. Now, why did God honor William Seymour? Hey, he's humble. I think William Seymour is probably one of the most humble men who ever studied. Had one eye, no education, but God honored him. And he's yeah, you can see from 1904, 1906, the Welsh Revival started in started in 1904, and uh, I think. Uh, Lake, what it was Dowie? Dowie was it Dowie that predicted the earthquake? And the earthquake happened in 1906. So people, this has always been my contention. People were kind of afraid after the earthquake, and and that was a good time to have a revival. <laughs> so so some things happen sometimes when things happen to us. Like something like Katrina 
yeah, Katrina and 9-11. Uh, what's another one? The, Cal the Columbine shootings. They got saved. Lots of people got saved. So God knows what he's doing. I don't know. We, we, don't, we can't tell him what we know. He knows a lot more than that. <laughs> okay, August uh, 2006, Parham visits Zion and holds meetings when people get spirit-filled. Par, remember, Parham was uh, William Seymour's instructor. So William Seymour, who was trying to keep the revival going, asked uh, ask him to come and preach. Let me see the next one. Bosworth and Hamlet visit Azusa Street. So they all went there. Lake connected and becomes friends with William Seymour, He's, and, and he seeks the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, something in the old time, back when I was a kid, you got sanctified. Now, what's that mean? It's the second blessing is what we called it in our church. Has anybody gone to church there like that? Eddie, you've, you've been to churches like that? They had second blessings? Yeah, you get saved, you get sanctified. Well, Lake wanted all of it. He wanted the Holy Spirit too. <laughs> so, so he got, for nine months, he fasted and prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, and he gave up. He said, I guess it's not for me. And boom, God came. <laughs> God, if you will baptize me in the Holy Ghost and give me the power of God, nothing shall be permitted to stand between me and 100-fold obedience. Joke said that. John G. Lake. <laughs> July 1907, his son Wallace is born. And Lake gets spirit-filled in 1907. Lake had a vision telling him to go to Indiana and then to South Africa. So he did go to Africa. In October 1907, the Lord in his goodness baptized me with the Holy Ghost after several months of deep heart searching and dependence unto God. Seek him till he comes. There you go. Lake and this guy... I can't say his name. Does anybody pronounce that for me? Hezbollah <laughs> do joint campaigns in, in Zion, Illinois. They, be they began plans to go to South America. So, did I say Africa? Let me see. I smudge on my glasses. <laughs> South Africa. Then I became conscious of a change coming over me instead of rain. The current of power were running through me from my head to my feet, seemingly into the floor. These shocks of power came intermittently, possibly 10 seconds apart. They increased in voltage until after a few minutes, my frame shook and vibrated under the mighty power, the mighty shocks of power. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> the spirit of man must Contact and know the real spirit of God. We do not know God with our flesh, with our hands, or with our brains. We know God with our spirit. These, these are sayings that uh, John G. Lake, in fact, I read his book. You'll see the name of the book in just a second. 
There's a quickening by the Spirit of God that a man's body, a man's soul or mind, and a man's spirit becomes blessed, pervaded, and filled with the presence of God himself in us. <laughs> Lake was a smart little guy. When we say all to Jesus, it means much my home, my business position among men and friends, family, even my dear wife could not at this time understand God. God said, and go and preach. I said, I will, nights, but I must go on with my business. After some months, I found my interest in commercial and worldly affairs were passing away. So he tried to do both. He tried to, you know, he was making a lot of money. He tried to say, well, I'll work at night. I'll go to church. <laughs> so it didn't work. <laughs> Again, the Lord said, follow me. And, and like Matthew, I closed my office and followed him. You have to decide, do you want money? Do you want fame? Or do you want God? Sometimes you can have both. But he wants all of you. And uh, we can all. April 2nd, Lake and his family and five others set sail for North Africa or South Africa. What did I say Northport? May 14th, Lake arrives in South Africa. All right, this is a, this is a miracle. He had a dollar and a half in his pocket. And, it, and when he got there, it was going to be $120 for the whole family. He had seven kids, two adults, him and his wife. They go to South Africa because God said it, but he didn't have any money. So he goes to a bench and sits down. All right, Lord, what are you going to do? He said, well, if you had the money, what would you do? So Lake said, well, I would get in that line and pay that $150. He said, get in that line. So, so John G. Lake stood there with a dollar and a half in his pocket. He stood there and he got up there. Uh, there was a man in front of him and then him. This man in front of him turns around and says, I got to go. You take this $200 and you, you can pay it. And then this lady starts running around asking people, are you the missionary? From, are you the missionary? Are you the missionary? And, and gave him a house. She said, I'm going to live, I'm going to go to America. I want somebody to watch my house and eat my food. That's, that happened. Her name was Miss Good Enough Meets the Lake. A place to stay. Okay, Lake and this guy, Hamilich, I can't say his name, took over Zion Tabernacle in Johannesburg and make it headquarters for apostolic faith mission. What was it called in Azusa Street? What was it called? Have you ever seen that building? It said Apostle Faith, Apostolic Faith Missions. And basically, William Seymour's church, the name of the church, went all the way to South Africa. And then Jenny goes home to be with the Lord. Oh, this is a story that I got to tell you. Uh, Jenny, his wife, was a very much a supporter of him. She would have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Whenever they'd pray for somebody, they had a, they had a you know, deal. Is they'd pray for somebody to get healed. If they didn't get healed, they'd take them and put them in another room. Then they would, when they got through with everybody who wanted to be healed, they would go in that room and they would take them one at a time 
and Jenny would have words of knowledge for them, and they would have a sin that they must confess. She did. She told him, if you say you're sorry and ask God to forgive you for your sin, then you will be healed. <laughs> and that happened right there. Isn't that something? So, she, but she died. John G. Lake, um, he was an interesting guy. Jenny must have been healed three times, almost dying three times. And Dowie prayed for her all three times. So he goes, he goes out, he goes out to preach, and she dies. He was mad. <laughs> he was mad because his wife, who does all the help, is a great helper to him, died when he was not there. Now, what does that say? Does that say God willed it? Now, who do you, how do you all feel about that? God is good. We don't know what he was doing. I, uh, I was watching Darren Wilson write. He's, he's got a lot of movies he, he does. He's, uh, he was saying, he interviewed this one man, and he said, this, what the enemy had done, the, uh, uh, the people in the in Middle East, the, the Arabs, they put cigarettes out on this guy's skin. He was being tortured. And, he said, and, and, and Darren Wilson said, how did you feel? He said, oh, God was hugging me each time. Every time they tried to do it, God just hugged me. I, I never felt a thing. And he, he had cigarette burns all over his body. And that uh, is one of the, I think that's the next to the last one he's done. Uh, I just ordered one today uh, there in Wilson's book. He didn't feel it. He had burns all over his body and scars, but he didn't feel any of those. He said each time they would put the cigarette up to his skin, he would feel God hugging him. Huh? I don't know his name. He's, he's in a video, and I, I didn't get his name. He, he just, I mean, just one of us. <laughs> Darren Wilson. The, um, what's the name of those um, videos? Do you? There's, he's got about seven. He went out to this man's house in India. God visits with this guy every day at 4 o'clock. Yeah, that's the ones. That's Darren Wilson's. Yeah, he, in fact, I, I get his mail all the time. And uh, he's done another one about angels, and I've, I've ordered that one. <laughs> and I show it to my jail people. <laughs> people in jail love it. <laughs> but they, they like to see what's going on. Okay, this thing with Africa is really interesting. Jesus' example on the cross is set forever. Now, as the very acme, what's that, what's that mean? I had to look that up. That's not a misbuild. What's acme? The pinnacle. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, a, it's, a, it's the peak, the most important, the very soul of compassion of God through Christ. I thought that was a I thought that was a misprint, <laughs> but I looked it up and Acme is the, is the very peak. That they used to use that word, <laughs> we don't use it anymore. Okay, Johannesburg, you see where it's at there on the middle. In Maputo, Mozambique, much where uh, Heidi Baker has a place there at Maputo. Johannesburg, 
Pretoria, all those places are in South Africa. We landed uh, in South Africa, Johannesburg, when we flew down to, uh, we went to Mozambique. So we did that. Okay, this is uh, this at 39th Van Beck Street in Dorfen. In Dorfen, it's in Chicago suburb. <laughs> okay, in, I know it's a suburb of Johannesburg. I'm sorry, it's a suburb of Johannesburg. This this is an awesome place. From the very start, it was as though a spiritual cyclone had struck Dorfen. Before many weeks, scores were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and hundreds were healed. So he went to Africa, but God put him there, <laughs> and he showed up, and, and those people were healed. And this is, the, they were in a paper. This, this shows you that. Lake would declare, God has taken all creeds out of me. Now, does anybody know what that means? The Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, those are creeds. He just, God does it his own way. <laughs> That's what it was. The religious spirit was broken. Compassion reaches further than the law that demand of judges. Compassion reaches to the heart of life to the secret of our being. These, these are all quotes from John G. Lake. Early in 1910, he returns to South Africa. Now, I was, I was amazed. Malaria epidemic in South Africa, one-fourth of, the, of the South Africa was die, had died in a month. Can you imagine that? One, four, one out of every four persons died? And Lake, uh, Lake took care of them, and he never got it. He said, there's no way I can get sick. <laughs> no way, because I am, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and I am not going to get sick. So he took care of these people that were sick. One-fourth of them died. That's a lot of people. But the revival was, was awesome. All right, now there's some, this, this, this date's wrong. It's 1913. This guy removed uh, Lake, and he had a disagreement. And uh, well, I don't know what happened and whose fault it was, but uh, Lake returned to America and began throughout America preaching. So he went back to America after having a very successful tour of uh, Africa. And, and uh, he went back. All right, he got married again. And this, this girl's name was uh, Florence Witzer of Milwaukee. He attended, attends the organization of Assembly of God, though he never joins. I don't know why somebody put that down there. Summer 1914, offered a job by Hill, but declined. Hill provides free training classes. These are people that, that he deals with every day, people that are in his life, and uh, this is, they, they, had, they had conflict. Uh, Assembly of God is a I think it was started about this time, about 1906, after the uh, revival there in uh, Azusa Street. The Assembly of God Church started up. Now, one thing that Assembly of God 
believes, and, and I don't know if you don't be, don't be offended by this, but if you, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. That's, evidence is the speaking in tongues. And they, 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 and they, yeah, they say that. The Bible does. That's what the Bible says. So I'm not arguing with that. That may be true. I don't, but I, I know some people that uh, were sa- are saved and filled with the Spirit who uh, have not ever spoken tongues. But whether that, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> you, uh, this is the book I read. It's a biography of John G. Lake. It's about that thick. I read the whole thing. And uh, I just took a picture of that thing. All right, then he went to Spokane, Washington. He prayed, I think, for 100,000 people. Therefore, mankind has a right to health as he has a right, right to deliverance from sin. If you do not have it, it's because you are being cheated out of your name, of your inheritance. It belongs to the name of Jesus Christ. Go after it and get it. So John G. Lake believed that everybody would be healed. If you got anything wrong with you and you ask the Lord to heal you, he'll heal you. How many of y'all believe that? What's, so we all believe it. Why don't, why don't we do it? <laughs> all right. We have to pray when God gives us the direction to pray. And it's up to him what happens. But he says, ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. So that's, that's in the Bible, and that's, that's a fact. And, that, and John G. Lake believed it. <laughs> and God really, really uh, showed him a lot of healing. As he is, not as he was, John said, so we are in the world, not in the life to come. The glory is not for the life that is coming, but for the life that is now. The victory is not for the future, but it's for now. That's what John G. Lake believed. This is, I'm, I'm going to just, some of the quotes I'm going to read you. What memories sweep my soul today, overwhelmed at the remembrance of my darling wife's death. I laid down and God permitted my tears to flow freely, as tears always do bring relief. So his wife, he really mourned her, even though he got married again. Oh, one good thing about his marriage the second time was the wife was a, was a stenographer. Now what's, all his messages after he got married the second time, where she, she uh, told, she, what did you call it, printed them? Yeah, she typed up. It's stenographers can, whatever you say, they, can, they have shortcuts that they can, they can uh, type. So when he would preach, she would write down what he said. So we have his messages. I read a lot of his messages uh, in that book that I read. And his whole, the whole behalf of the book is, is his messages. And uh, it came about because of the stenographer. So that was one of the things that, that, he, that was, what happened to him. Students have long since discovered a new science. This science, he was a, John G. Lake loved science. Uh, it's called pneumatology. It's recognition of the law of the spirit, a discerning of the modus operandi of the spirit's working and effect and power. So he, he believed in, in, if God said it, it'll happen. 
No words of mine could convey to another soul the cry that was in my heart and the flame of hatred for death and sickness that the Spirit of God stirred within me. The very wrath of God seemed to possess my heart. I can remember reading about John G. Lake when somebody, somebody he got with a bunch of scientists and he said, okay, come on, guys. Now, get, get a guy out of the hospital that has a, I'll say in the stomach, has a rash on his stomach. Get him right now and bring him up here in front of me. So they did. He stuck his hand on that man's, and they prayed God would heal that rash. And that was all he did. He said, okay. The next day, there was a handprint on the man's stomach. It was pink where he touched, and it was all over him. It was a handprint right there. The rash died when he touched it. So he, he, did, he touched things, and he had scientific, he, again, he was a scientist. He had scientific evidence of healing by other way, other means. But he would touch people, and wherever he touched was healed. And, and, and again, he had faith that God would heal him. And he did. Okay, Lake begins taking, he's, <laughs> he's talking on the radio now. Early in September 1935, he suffered a stroke, and Lake goes home to be with the Lord. I think he lived two weeks after his stroke. Again, he was 65 years old. God took him, but he didn't believe in doctors. He believed that God would heal anybody that asked for it. That was his belief. Here's some of the buildings uh, of, uh, that he, uh, he saw. That you voluntarily take the hand of the Spirit of God to be led into the wilderness or out of the wilderness on the tow rope of the Holy, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. <laughs> he leads, God bless, <laughs> whoever he leads, God blesses. Let me read you some of the things that... Uh, this, I have another thing that, that shows some of the things that happened to him. In 1890, 20 years old, he was a Christian farmer taught him about sanctification. This pierced his heart and was regarded as the crowning work of God in his life. Of this revelation, he said, I shall never cease to praise God that he revealed to me the depth of the power of the blood of Jesus, a beautiful anointing of the Spirit was on my life. Now, he got sanctified, and he also got filled with the Spirit. He said, God, if you got it, I want it. <laughs> so he was hungry for more. And that's what happened. He, uh, he was uh, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, in some of the churches I went to, when you got sanctified, you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? Can y'all relate to that? Yeah, some churches just believe that when you get sanctified, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I believe that nowadays, I, I, I believe that there's steps. You get, you get some there, you can call it what you want. You get some here, you get some here, you get some here, and bam! Some, sometimes, sometimes, like Pastor Tom got knocked out, right? Started speaking in tongues. 
and one Holy Ghost. There you go. There you go. He gives you, it gives you what you need to do what you need to do. And uh, that's what we have to believe, that, uh, that it's not doctrine says do it this way. It's not, it's what God says. <laughs> Don't worry about your doctrine. And so I, I, I have the belief that if, if somebody is in the Holy Spirit, is filling some person, I don't care what denomination he is. Because I've seen Christians in every church I've ever been to. There's, there's, there's some that, that do not believe everything the church believes. But, but they are awesome people. Okay. Now, Jenny... I'll try to find some of the things she got. She had. She was perfect for John G. Lake. She had a wonderful sense of humor, a keen judgment, strong faith, and a deep spiritual sensitivity. Jenny was a great intercessor for John. He very much valued her advice and support. And, oh, and heavy, she had to take heavy, uh, <laughs> heavy doses of glycerin and, nit- and nitroglycerin and stimulants. That left her a near invalid. This is Jenny, his wife. And what did they do? They called Dowie. They told Dowie. So what happened? She was healed. Amazing. One thing that he did, uh, he was, he had kids, his brothers, and he had 16 of them all together. He's been crying that, that story. Another one of his sisters had remained very ill even after much prayer. He was planning on taking her to the healing home too. That's Dowie's. But before he could, he received a call from his mother, and she told him the sister was dying, and if he wanted to see her, he had better hurry. When Lake arrived, his sister was unconscious without a pulse. We would call it death. Moved by it all, he looked at his sister's baby lying in the, in, the, in the crib. She must not die. I will not have it. Of this compassion, he would later write, my, No words of mine can convey to another soul the cry that was in my heart and the flame of hatred for death and sickness that the Spirit of God had stirred within me. The very wrath of God seemed to possess my soul. So he paced, Luke Lake paced the room, as his heart cried out, and he took his Bible, he said, this is not true, <laughs> threw it against the, the, the uh, fireplace, hit the, hit, he came down lying on Acts 10, and it says, the devil, what's to say, the devil causes disease. That's what it says. And he says, wait a minute. So he reached down, picks up the Bible, and his his wife is laying there almost dead. And his sister. And he said, she's almost dead. And he, and he says, hey, she's not dead. And they're, and they're saying, yeah, right. <laughs> no, no pulse, not breathing. But he said, nope, I rebuke him. I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. And by the blood of Jesus, you will get up. And, he, and she did. <laughs> she got up. Well, so, yeah, this, it's, it's amazing what God will do uh, with us. And uh, 
He said, she will not die. I will not have it. <laughs> That's what he said. Dowie, they got a hold of him after she uh, was prayed for. And he said, hold on to God. I'm praying she will live. That's, that's all he said. They telegraphed, telegram uh, from where he was to that. Now, he also started a ministry in Spokane, Washington, where 100,000 were saved and healed. Lots of healings. What did the, what did the uh, census say about yeah, they said it's probably the healthiest city in the world. And uh, because he started his healings room. So the things he did in Africa, he brought to Spokane, Washington. He, he prayed, and if they didn't get healed, they went in this other room. And, uh, that's, and they, were, they, were, they were, had somebody else, not his wife, but somebody else would say, hey, this person has a problem with anger. I'm just saying that. So if they repent of their anger, then they will be healed. Yeah, discerning of spirits. That's, that's what they call it. And, uh, oh, this is one thing that they, Jenny, his wife, when they were married, I'll just, what I remember now, she was healed multiple times. While the people were impressed. In fact, the last time she was healed, she was healed and it, it became national news, and it was in the newspapers. People all over the place came to see them. So they came to their house, and they slept on the road, or on, on the road, on the, on, the, on the backyard. They were in the backyard sleeping. That's where they stayed. And he would line them up, and the next day, much like Jesus had lines, and they would, uh, he would pray for them. So his wife would feed them. He had seven kids by this first wife. And now this is something I don't understand, but five of them, most of them, all of them do not like their dad. Yeah, like King David. Was he a good father? Yeah. So he was not a good father. So he got married again to this stenographer, and the kids loved him. And he had five kids with her. Back in the day, <laughs> they had lots of kids because you knew you weren't, I mean, they, wouldn't, they weren't living very long. So have as many as you can, you'll get about half of them. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> That's what the thought, the thought was, you have the kids. Life expectancy was not long. So I want you all to know that healing, I was, uh, the last time we went to Nepal, I, I've talked talked, talked to you all about this. I didn't, Tom, Pastor Tom was, was preaching through an interpreter, right? I was, and he said, all, all of you want to be healed, come up and, and, and let the guys pray for you. And the interpreter said that, and they all came. There was about, what, two to three hundred there? And, and, there was three in this line, three in this line, and there was none in front of me. So I'm saying, good night, Lord. So I went. I didn't remember. I didn't have an interpreter. I didn't know how to speak Nepalese. What do they, what do they speak? <laughs> and I said to this last guy, 
I just pointed at him and said, come here. <laughs> that's, that's all. I, I use sign language. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to have to drop this mic. I said, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with this person. They're pointing at their head, or they're pointing right here. I don't know what's wrong with them, but you're going to heal them. So he did. All 26, I say 26 people. I mean, it took two or three minutes apiece. They'd come up to me, and I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I command this sickness to leave. And they would go. I don't, it's 26 people were healed. <laughs> And they, the reason I knew they were healed, they'd go like this. <laughs> so one guy, but the last one, I, still, I remember her. She was about 16, and this guy that had been watching, watching me pray, and he, he, bring, he just drug her up in front of me. So I did my thing. <laughs> and she went like that. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with her head, but you fix it. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, Lord speaks my language. You know? <laughs> so, so he did. He fixed it. And she goes, wow. And she walks away. Isn't that something? <laughs> Give glory to God. Yes. Now, what did Jesus say? How did Jesus do it? He said, you're healed. Walk. He, he didn't preach long either. <laughs> walk, get up, take up your bed and walk. Yeah. I mean, when Jesus prayed for healing, he prayed quick, short prayers. Now, the first time I was down on a mission trip, <laughs> I said, I said, wait a minute, I got to pray. Oh, God of the universe, come down and heal this worm in front of me. <laughs> I didn't say worm. <laughs> But I, th I thought, no. <laughs> yeah, it, se it seems to me some people have, have the gift of healing. Isn't that something? Let's, let's talk a little application. I think this is good, good time. A few minutes left here. Um, first of all, if the Holy Spirit's in you, which we pray, Lord, come, right? Luke Gospel, chapter 11 says, if you'll ask the Father, he will give you the gift, Right. If an evil father knows how to give a good gift to his children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we ask, John G. Lake and many of them in that 1800s, 1900s early, they went after the Holy Spirit for months, right? You remember Finney's uh, liquid love? Finney was in pursuit of it for many, many months, right? And so there's been a breakthrough by forerunners who have been in interceding for the Holy Spirit to come. So now it seems to come regularly if you ask for it. I think the same is true with the forerunners for deliverance. When you look at um, the Adam A. Hammond and her Frank Hammond and them, um, uh, Derek Prince, right? They, they were forerunners of the deliverance ministry. Now today, remember, this is not common, but 50 years ago, 35 years ago, when I was in the method, this deliverance stuff, it wasn't happening. It was not obvious, at least not regularly. But now, today, it's common that people will come and seek after deliverance in Spirit-filled churches. So back to your question. When the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, we've been in places, you've probably heard our testimony when we're in, in uh, well, we've been in plenty, many places, but the one that stood, stood out in Tanzania, when 
God asked us to go to Boma, Tanzania with Leif Hetland. Leif carries a, a love anointing. We'd been invited to go into deliverance. Well, when the Muslim faith in that town of, Bo, of, of Boma was broadcasting and going anti-Christian, and we were there as members of uh, Leif's team, that day God showed up and 450 got saved and I don't know how many hundreds got healed supernaturally. Tumors, eyeballs opening, deaf ears opening. And it was like, I thought, God, we have this new healing anointing. It's so awesome. We're like, you know, we've got that. And what the Lord told me was, no, Allah challenged me. And I won't be challenged by Allah. You, as the carriers of the Holy Spirit, were in the right place that I needed at the right time. I will give you everything you need at that moment because I've called you there. And that healing anointing, so here's my belief system on my experiential belief on this, and I can back it up biblically, is that the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do, wherever he wants to do. He's the gift of the, he doesn't, yes, there's a special anointing. He lists them, 1 Corinthians 12 lists nine gifts there. Romans lists gifts. Yes, healing, prophecy, faith, the gift of faith. But if you have the Holy Spirit and you're God's emissary in that place at this time, you got it all. He'll do whatever he needs to do because he doesn't give you a little bit of the Holy Spirit, even though you may have a gifting or a, 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 and a compassion. I call it, Lake obviously hated death and sickness. He hated it. He saw his children and his brothers and sisters die. He hated it. So he says, and if you, you know, I love how God deals with it. Throw the book against the Bible against it. It doesn't work. Yeah. Opens it up. The devil did it. Oh, in the name. And then he rebukes him and she's healed, right? So what's the point? The point is, biblically, we believe you got it. And if the Lord tells you don't, don't take the pills from India, start believing your shoulder's healed, and guess what? God will start doing it. You know my testimony from last week. I don't know what was going on with my knee, but our team got together. Someone had a word. You've been cursed. People speaking evil against you. We're cutting that off. The intercessors are coming together, and you're healed. Guess what? I'm healed. So God is just able to do all of that. And so and a couple other uh, interesting points about this. Notice that uh, Parnham, Dowie, um, Bosworth, Seymour, there was a group of men and women in that season of that particular move of God that came together and they amplified each other. We see this right now. Every generation, look at it right now. Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, right? Um, these revivalists that we, we now see in our revival network that we're part of, they represent well over 10,000 churches and parachurch organizations. And when you look at them, you get together. If you've never been to the Voice of the Apostles, y'all need to go. I'm just telling you. Go to the Voice of the Apostles, Voice of the Prophets. Go there and experience what happens when, when they come together from all these streams and they amplify one another. Right now, that's what's going on in the earth. It's just powerful. A couple other things. We pray on a regular base Sunday. You know, God just said, somebody came up and said, you know, so-and-so's in the back and they're in a lot of pain. I said, well, we're not going to have that. So we, we, how many are in pain? And what, what, there must have been 30 hands that went up, right? We need to pray and give God room to work. When Heidi got her prophetic word uh, from um, Randy Clark in 94, 
that she was going to be given, God was offering her the nation of Mozambique, that she was going to see the blind see, the dead would hear, the dead would walk, would be raised, and the deaf would hear. Heidi went back to Mozambique, and for one year, she prayed for every blind person she could see, and there's a lot of them, and not one of them was healed. For one year, hundreds of people, not one, not one healing. And then one day, three women with the same name of Ida, Heidi, all of them blind, guess what? God healed them. And from that day forward. So what is it? you got to press in. you got to keep. You can get discouraged. You can give up. But we're not. He said these signs would follow them that believe. And there's enough believers in this house. That sign is going to follow us. And one day, I hope they'll be camped out waiting for us to get here. Right? Waiting for you to get here. So we're going to just believe for that. We're going to keep pressing in. Uh, we, I burn in the same area for deliverance. That, that I hate sickness as well, but I burn in the area of deliverance. When I see someone tormented by demons, I get just, it just does something in me. And so when pastors from Colombia say, we've got voodoo from Peru, we've got San La Muerte and Macumba from Brazil, and we, we need help, come help us. They're cursing us, our children are dying, we're sick. That can't be allowed. Either this book is real. We've been given full power and authority over the darkness, and in no way can he injure you. You will have what you, either that's true, or we ought to go just bake cookies and do something else, right? And so God's just, this. I think it's appropriate with Lisa's sermon on Sunday. Ask God where you burn. Where is your compassion? Where, what moves you? What brings tears to your eyes? And then where's your gifting? They're usually close by. If you're moved by people that are impoverished and homeless and you don't want to see that, come and serve at House of Mercy. Go out on street angels. If you go into the, into the camps, Sunday night, some of our team is in the homeless camps. So look, let's stand right now and we're just going to, God's not teasing us. These are generals or forerunners and areas that we want to just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that you have um, promised us, it's in Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time we hear what was, it says in Deuteronomy, that inheritance is for you and for your children. So we can grab on to these miraculous things of the Mariah Woodworth Edders, the John G. Lakes, Right? We can grab those things and say, God, if you did it then, Jesus said in 1 John 3, 8, he came to destroy the works of the devil. In John 14, he says, now you go and do likewise. In fact, greater shall you do because I go to the Father and you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. So, Lord, I just ask that you continue to raise up a people of faith. Lord, that we just step into that place believing that you're bigger than sickness and disease and torment. And then, God, you'll open up the blind eyes, the deaf ears, the tumors, the cancers. God, you'll do it, and you'll receive the glory. We don't want to be off track. The other thing we get to see is when the Dowies and those uh, William Branhams, where pride and confusion and false theology comes in, they lose it. We see it. It can happen. So we're not going to be pridefully arrogant about any of this. It's for your glory, God. Keep us, 
Keep us in that place. We realize it's you do it all, God. And we're just the gloves on your hand. But we love being the gloves on your hand. We love being the people that are able to see the miraculous. It does something to you when you see it. When you see the tormented set free. When you hear the testimony of the person that was a drug addict. Miss Addie shared, this man who died this past week and went to his funeral. The people that came that had been touched and set free because of a testimony of a man who went to the jailhouse, who testified of Jesus. That's the story, God. We want to continue to tell the story. So I pray a blessing now on each one. Lord, let there be beautiful rest and sleep, but empowerment, challenge to see more of what God can do. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you, Pastor Terry. Good job.